percussion, strings, winds, words. Welcome back to Disney Marvels for a week of May 17th, 2020. This is episode 84, Disney Marvels, the show about Disney, Marvel, Lucasfilm, Muppet, Pixar, Fox, the Parks, and much, much more. If it has to do with Disney, it's fair game. I'm your host, Matthew Gregan. We'll be back after these brief messages. And now, on with the show. Music is all around us. It influences us in many different ways. The way that we feel, some of the times the way that we think, the way that we look at situations, particularly music in movies. Disney is an expert in this, in, in many of the aspects of the way that they write the music and they, they put it into their movies. But in the mid-90s, they started having pop stars, for lack of a better term, recreate the title tracks of the movies. And a lot of these started to catch catch airplay and started going out there and became top top songs, songs that you would hear regularly on your everyday top 40 radio stations. Mm -hmm. I feel like these are songs that I don't think as many people get credit for as they deserve so i figured let me talk about these songs and to talk about these songs i needed someone that knew what a semi-demi heavy quaver is and a whole note please welcome back my good friend isaac Sagu. how are you doing isaac i'm good i'm really good thank you for having me back on the show um i wouldn't say um maybe when i was a kid i probably had like a really good voice um, now that I'm like in my thirties, I don't think that I'm afraid that my voice might scare people away. So, uh, I don't, <laughs> so, um, a little bit over exaggerated on that. Though, That's not what it, Luther Vandross said the other day when I was talking, having tea with him <laughs> or, or people Bronson. But other than that, uh, uh, yeah, no, but I appreciate that. Thank you for having me on the show, man. So let's, hey, let's, let's it's always a pleasure. It. Well, you wanted to bring up some things actually beforehand, getting off the music topic already. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, you you opened up that intro about music, and now we're going to talk about something completely different. But we're going to keep not two minutes in this show. You're off topic already. Yeah, this show's going off the rails. Um, but, um, but yo, know, I, I, like I, I, so I, you know, I brought this to your attention earlier before we started and I didn't even know if you, you heard about this, but apparently now everybody has seen the Mandalorian at this point. If you haven't seen the Mandalorian, da, 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 da. one of the most coolest shows right now on Disney plus. So if you haven't, please get on that and start watching that show because it's oh. awesome. 
And you know what they're going to do? They're bringing even something even more awesome. They're going to bring back Boma Fett. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking about Boma Fett from the episode series. As reported from Hollywood Reporter, The Mandalorian, Tamara Morrison will return to the Star Wars universe to play Boma Fett. That's a big exclusive comment from him, pretty much. So that was announced today that they're going to bring back the man, Jango Fett, from... From the 2002 Star Wars Attack of the Clones will appear in season two of the Disney Plus Star Wars series. On top of that, which is going to be dope, it's going to be dope. That's going to be awesome. It, not just that, they also, in case if anyone didn't hear about it, uh, Ahsoka Tonto from the Clone Wars Star Wars Rebels animated series will be making her first, and also she her voice can be heard in Rise of Skywalker. Will be making her first live action full physical appearance in the mandalorian season two um it's not going to be ashley Eckstein though it's going to be rosario dawson uh mm-hmm. t- taking over the mantle of the character which some people are some people aren't as happy about they, they want ashley to do it ashley seems to be okay with it um yeah. and yeah it is what it is and i can understand why they're doing that mm-hmm. um and I, I won't get into it here but, uh, yeah. it, it, hey, Rosario Dawson, you look at her line of work, she does good work. I think she will do the character justice. Mm-hmm. And to that kind of secondary cast that's coming into this show, I, I just, I was excited just by the end of season one for season two to come along. The more I find out about season two, the more excited I get and the more yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And thankfully, Production actually is done of season two. Yep. So all this is, it's breaking news, but it's in the past, which yep. that's typical Hollywood, finding mm-hmm. out about things after it's already happened. And so season two of The Mandalorian is still on track. It's all just editing and stuff, which is probably, you know, most people are sitting in their houses, nothing else to do with their kids sitting on their laps and their cats walking across the keyboard. Uh, putting in the special effects and and whatnot, um, which is another brilliant thing. I mean, I'm not sure if you've been watching any of the um, the director stuff that they've been having the discussions on uh, the Mandalorian or the behind the scenes stuff, but it's all shot. It's a basically a giant video game. Yeah. Um, all the 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 effects and the the uh, backgrounds and whatnot. They are in a small soundstage with a giant screen all around them, around the you know, 360 around them and above them. And wherever they go is projected on there. There's some models that they, they use in for the, the actors to interact with. But for the most part, it's all CGI. But the CGI is in real time. It's actually there behind them. So they see what they're interacting with. They see where they are. So the post-production stuff is actually mitigated by that. You're not having to film in front of a green screen and then drop a image in on afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's all right there, uh, which to me is crazy. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, we should be seeing that, I think, this fall is when uh, they're looking for that to drop. Yeah, hopefully if, uh, you know, if, um, you know, if things kind of stay 
um, on schedule, you know, unfortunately due to the, the world circumstances that we're living in. Hopefully if it stays on schedule, I think it's going to be a great big treat for a lot of Star Wars fans and for, uh, you know, for the Disney Plus service right now. You know, right now that is... Um, um, I'm not going to say devoid of a little bit of new content at the moment, though, but it definitely can get a, a spruce up of uh, like if they can get this new series out, hopefully on time, um, that would be totally great, um, you know, because we don't know what's going to be happening with the Marvel side of things at the moment right now. I think they're still in post-production, stuff like that. Um, to to, to, to kind of get back to your point, too, was the actors that they're getting in the Rosario Donsels and, and bringing now a Tamara Morrison that was also in the Clone Wars and in the pre-Eagles. I just think this is great. It just seems like this director, um, I don't know if about you, it's like he's kind of getting actors that he he grew up liking on the down low, you know, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Like actors that he respects are cool, that's done really cool work. And now that I'm in this position of power, I think like a John Favreau, I can bring in not and not only just actors, like directors like Ataka Watiti that is also cool with the franchises and say, Hey man, come in, not only do you get do a chance to be a character, but you also get to direct uh, uh, the episode. It seems like he's getting the cool and like the, the cool clicky characters, you know. Like um like um who 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 am I thinking of in, in the beginning of the first season, which was cool, like a, a May um, oh wow! I'm, I'm messing up her name. Um, the first Mulan, uh, she played the the, uh, the character Mulan. Uh, yes. She was the agent, you know. Oh yeah, like I feel bad now that I'm messing up her name. Like uh, May, uh, May. It just Mulan. made me forget her name. Did May you? is the name of her character on Agents of Shield. Yeah, May. Her name's not May. Yeah, her name is May. Yeah, that's why I said that's why I was bringing it up. Uh, you probably have to look that up, though. But it's cool that you bring in, like, a Carl Weathers, too, to kind of play, like, a Planet Hunter character. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's getting, like, really cool low-key characters that, like, the fan base knows outside of uh, of the episodes. But, you know, they're, they're sitting there and bringing them in, which is, is totally dope. So, I think oh, it's Bryce cool. Bryce Dallas Howard, that yeah. was the director I was talking about before, mm-hmm. um, is was one of the directors that they brought on. Uh, Ming Na is the or Ming Na Wen is Ming the Nguyen. actor that you're you thinking go. that she now yeah. she's actually coming back for season two. Yep. Don't ask me how because last time that we saw her in season one, she wasn't doing so well. Yep, yep. Uh, and, you know, on on top of the fact that they have a Pedro Pascal, a Gina Carraro, and then you know a a, a Warner Herzog who is a fantastic actor, Nicky. You know, so they're getting like these really like respectable low key actors that kind of they're not they're like other like Pedro Pascal's he's a big name, but they're getting actors that put in the work and they're kind of cool with the, they're they're cool with the the click the click yeah. crowd, you know. Their, their favorites. I think it's great. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, the- you're not getting a Pacino, you're not getting a Dwayne Johnson or anything like that, which is fine. You're getting people that are going to fit the story and portray the characters how you want them to be. Exactly. That in a way that just that suits the film. Mm-hmm. You're you're casting towards the film. You're not necessarily casting a name to for the name to draw it in. You want the quality of the work to draw in. The audience, which uh, I, I think is a, a smart decision, and it's worked great so far. Keep it up. Uh, like I said, I, I cannot wait for season two. Yeah, yeah. Um, for right. that to for that to come along, and to see where do we go next? Because I have no idea. I love how um, 
Favreau and Filoni are getting together and tying in a lot of the animation stuff into the Mandalorian, uh, like with the dark saber and, and some of the other things now with, with Ahsoka coming in, these are things that were found in some of the animated things with rebels and clone wars. We're now bringing that into the live action end into, uh, the Mandalorian in how this is all going to spin and tie into everything else. We'll see, but again, you're now taking the next step of just this whole universe is just so much bigger than the nine movies that most people know about. Um, I, I've been finally catching up on the Clone Wars myself and just seeing how much more there is. Ahsoka is a character that I liked from what I knew of her without really knowing anything about her. And now watching Clone Wars and learning more of her story, and you re- you get to watch her grow up um, in Clone Wars to the point that some of the decisions that she makes is uh, not a decision that a normal or some of the other Jedi characters you think would normally make. Mm-hmm. Um, she wields two lightsabers too. I mean, come on, that that's just cool. No, no, uh, I totally agree. It's 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 totally. So, it's yeah. Totally cool. Um. So the, now it's getting to be able to see her in real life is going to be fantastic. No, no, I I, I totally feel. No, oh. no. Like I said, I think it's 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 a big situation. I think it's a it's a big deal that, like I said, they're grabbing a lot of de- these characters, which I think is is fantastic. Um. I I think it's it's amazing that they're, they're grabbing them, and yeah, no, I think I'm, I'm totally really really looking forward to them. You know what they're gonna do because like is uh it. Again, it's it, it's it's great because it, it really seems like um, you know like John Favreau and all these directors, like I mentioned, are they're just really big fans of the series, and you you can really sense that they're just fans, they're just great fans uh, on on being in in this um, in being in this whole Star Wars um, universe. So you know to be able to grab just to get actors again right now that are at the moment are not doing anything but they just have such really good face value amongst the fan base i think it's a totally it's a totally great uh great thing and uh, it's just it's totally amazing like really really amazing and oh i think it's an awesome hire it's like it's a it's a, it's paying dividends to the fans that have uh that not only support the the content that's watched almost everything from the movies and the television but you know they they continue to do it. You know it it it, it continues that con- continuity, which Disney has been really really focusing on for the last couple of years, and that's good. I think that's really good for the fans situation. So yeah, the I think again, brain casting. Looking forward to it all, and uh, we shall see. Time will tell. I mean, we've also seen productions where you get a wonderful cast. But you just don't have the script to hold it up. I I can't say there's any evidence to back it that up in this case. But again, you never know. You never know. So fingers crossed, hoping for the best. Yep. Totally. I think we were supposed to be talking about music. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So let's get back to our actual main topic of yes. this show. And um, since we uh, we had to kind of get that in there because you know we, no definitely worth bringing it up. Thank you for mentioning it. No, no uh, problem. No. Yeah, no, but, definitely, yep. definitely important stuff. Big news. You know, even in a time like this, we got some big news and things to to look forward to. No problem. No problem. So we came up with a list 
of such songs I mentioned earlier. The the again, lack of better term, I guess you'd call them the pop versions. I don't know, alternative versions. The 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 mainstream version of a lot of these songs that you find in the Disney movies. Um, to that you could our intent the intent of them was for a radio play some of them you know made the top 40 you'll hear them on the you know mainstream music some of them not as much you'll hear more on the either light fm or you'll hear on an r&b channel or something like that um but yeah i don't know if I, as many people some of them people you know they'll know circle of life elton john big hit in the 90s you you couldn't turn on a radio station and not hear that song but it goes beyond that, that there was, there were so many other versions. Um, again, you are my guest. So I'll let you start off on what were, some, what are some of your, we're not doing a top five. We're doing some of our favorites, some of the ones that we, you know, little ear bugs, that, you know, music bugs that just get into our ear and just enjoy humming along to. And, and again, ones that I think that they did justice on in the recordings. Well, you know what? Uh, one of the songs that actually kind of uh, popped into my head while you were thinking about the, you know, when you 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 introduced me into this, was a 1998 song called "True to Your Heart" uh, that starred 98 Degrees, led by a, a young Nick Lachey, um, mm. and also um, carried, you know, who also did, uh, which basically them were also played along was the great Stevie Wonder. Yes, 1988 song um, uh, for Milan, and I thought that was honestly a really fun song. I think, and I think anything like again, I was never a big 98 Degrees fan back when this song even popped off at, at the moment, though. But I, I get why Disney grabbed them because they were like the, they were not too again when we're talking about a, a poor man's. Because they probably couldn't get an in sync or a Backstreet Boys at the time, but like, hey, so we'll get the third ranked, uh, we'll get the third ranked boy band on this group that wouldn't cost us too much money. So yeah, they grabbed Nick Lachey to uh, sing around, sing alongside the legendary Stevie Wonder man. And we spent just, the money on Stevie Wonder. We don't have the budget to fill in the rest. So who's up yeah. and coming that we can get? <laughs> Which in the same movie. Yeah. Same movie I have is Reflections by a unknown at that time, former Musketeer Christina Aguilera. Oh, was it? And that was going to be my second one too. That was going to honestly be my second one. Um, here's the thing about that song too. When when they sung Reflections, I think, and and they may be wrong. This is probably I want to say that I, I I heard about this from like uh, from um, maybe a VH1 episode back in the day. Apparently, they were trying to look again. They were again they were looking for artists. Um, I think they were trying to find artists that they could hit a particular C note for for that track, and they had a hard, difficult time trying to find like even like the pop, even the best artists in the game. I think had a hard time trying to hit that C note, so they end up, I guess, at that moment they end up looking for they end up okay, let's see what this woman can do. Because again, former master tier, I think she had those, uh, you know, through her acting and stuff like that. So, like, do you think she can hit that C note? And they, they gave it to her, and she nailed it. And that's that was probably one of her first major, her first major songs on on a soundtrack because she got the job what? for hitting that note. Because nobody at the time could hit it. 
No, and she recorded the demo in her bathroom. Yep. Hey, I'm man. There's great and look at her now. Yeah. Hey, don't knock on bathrooms, man. They tend to have better acoustics than anywhere than than, a, than some sound studios. True. This is true. That's why I record this in my bathroom. <laughs> a, lot, a little bit more information than the public needed to know, but okay. <laughs> can move on. All right. So so since you threw out that one, um, I'm going to throw out uh, I Can Go to Distance. Um, oh, um, yes. Michael Bolton song. I can go this. Little Michael Bolton. That's that strong Michael Bolton there for uh, for Hercules at that time. Uh, now, I will admit that was kind of when I was kind of slowly falling off on the. No, like, well, did did, did 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 Hercules come out before Mulan? I'm pretty sure it did, right? Or after? No. It was after Mulan. So it, was like, so it has to be 1999, right? Um. No, no, it was before. It yeah. was before. It's not um, yet. So it was nineteen ninety-seven. Ninety-seven. Yep. And then Mulan was nineteen ninety-eight. Eight. Yes, Mulan came out when I was working down at Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, which was the, you know to me a big thing that you know this movie was mostly done here in Florida and here you know this movie's not coming into the, the theaters. Uh yeah, Hercules was before that was before I actually even worked at the Disney store because they, mm-hmm. they had turned to the Hercules store beforehand. And we're still trying to get rid of some of the merchandise at that point. So yes, I remember that. And um yeah, Michael Bolton, yeah, because I remember listening to that song and it was you know Michael Bolton's more last big hurrah um onto the mainstream, I think, before he started to more dwindle off onto like adult contemporary type channels mm-hmm. um and that that song in itself the the movie version the and the michael bolton version the the radio version are there's very strong songs that need a, a powerful voice um the movie version and the name of the the person who sang it escapes me but had to carry this very high note and for it was just one of those notes that just went on forever yeah and you're just wondering what shade of blue this person's turning to whenever they're singing it and not that michael bolton carries that same note but he just is able to do the song in justice again in his own way and style but you can't really picture someone being able to do the song just as much justice as he does in the in the way that he does it um, particularly for the time of the uh, year wherever that came out. Mm-hmm. It was just, it's a very strong performance by him. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think that's totally perfect. I know. Again, I, I remember that song definitely in 1997 during my childhood, you know, years when, 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 when I heard it. So that was one of the songs that kind of popped up to me. So that's mine. So what's, that's so why I gave you mine. I think I gave out two. So yep. you gave it, uh one. So you so it's you're up. What what's the other one that that you got going? Oh, so many, so many. That's the problem. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I'm gonna go with. In it's not an original song, but it it fits. Um, it fits the movie well. Is 
Winoda's version of Burning Love from Lilo and Stitch. Interested. Okay. She just again, it, it's, it's like, well, how do you how do you top Elvis? You, you don't top Elvis. You just make it your own. Mm-hmm. And she just it, it's um not that the song in itself is from or during the movie, but uh it, it runs during the credits. But it just it captures the essence of the movie, and you know Elvis in itself played a, a big background story part of uh, of the the character of Lilo, mm-hmm. and Winona just again makes that song her own, makes it a lot of fun, just like the movie, a lot of fun, a lot of emotion into it, a lot of heart, and you just find yourself just kind of rocking out to it. Um, in, in a modernized version of this classic Elvis song, um, it, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I just again one that it's it was one of those hidden ones on the track. I mean, the uh, the Lee Stitch soundtrack is kind of weird because there's only two original songs on it. Um, you know, traditional more Hawaiian songs. Everything else is Elvis music. Mm-hmm. Um. And here was this song from Wynota, um, Burning Love, and it just 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 hits this fun little vibe of it. It just, you know, hunk, hunk of burn. And she just, she's not impersonating Elvis. She's not trying to top Elvis, but mm-hmm. she's kind of like channeling Elvis, I guess would be a way to put it. And it, it, it just, a lot of fun, a lot of enjoyable um, song there. And I heard it occasionally on the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, that that's a good one. Um, now um, another song that you know you know that popped into my head. Um, and here's an interesting uh, Phil Collins for for Tarzan and I think 1999's Tarzan and 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 that's me. Phil Phil Collins did a a lot of songs for the Tarzan soundtrack. If you think about it, if you look at that soundtrack, I think he produced. I think did almost every single song. Song. Um, I, I know there's a couple of big ones like you, uh, you'll be in my heart, which is probably the more bigger one. If that was, if that was the one you're going to say, I apologize. But the one that I enjoyed the most was song of a man, because I just, that had a really good, strong beat into it. Um, and, you know, you know, Phil Collins known for his percussion skills is really on, on that track too. I enjoyed song of a man. I think that's really one of my more favorite songs from that entire, uh, Tarzan soundtrack. Cause it's just like really just kind of shows him growing up and like kind of learning how to be an ape with, uh, yeah. with, with Rosie yeah. O'Donnell. And it's just Newman. Yeah. I know, but so he's just kind of grown, just kind of learned the ways of being that, and then later on, as the song translates until he just basically finally becomes Tarzan. You know, you know, they go through that montage of him learning how to be an ape and clawing, and then basically uh, um, doing all those crazy moves. Uh, um, uh, you know, doing all the uh, like the skateboarding moves on the vines and stuff like that. From from what I think, from an interesting note, I think the the artist who I, I don't know I'm straying off a little bit, but I think the artist that 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 did all those moves when he's like sliding around the vines and the branches because you know there's no branches don't ever look like that and no but I think they, they they actually took like moves of Tony Hawk 
and they tried to emulate that through that cartoon. So that was just a small little tidbit that, that I heard, though. But going back to the music part, uh, Song of a Man, uh, Tarzan 1999, I enjoyed that song mostly because I enjoyed that strong beat that I presented. Son of Man is unique because oh. it is it get, they get radio released. But yeah. there's no separate track for it on the album. They oh. actually go in and do a radio edit for it afterwards. Um, only had uh, Two Worlds and You Be In My Heart <clears throat> as radio edits on the, the, the actual Tarzan album when it came out, um, which became so popular. With the, again, with the Phil Collins stuff, um, you know, he had three big songs off of there. He actually ended up winning a Grammy and um, an Oscar and the Golden Globes for this album, which is referred to as the Triple Crown as far as the, yep. the uh, um, Hollywood music goes. <clears throat> mm-hmm. the, so, yeah, Son of Man is interesting because you, you didn't have that radio edit and they had to kind of tweak it a little bit and put it out there. But as you're referring to the the skateboarding moves, the director's son was um, into skateboarding, and he l- saw the visuals between how they you know moved and stuff. And you're right, incorporated that stuff into the movie. Those the ride slide, uh, the rail slides and mm-hmm. stuff that the inline skaters and skateboarders were doing of the day, and thought this was a beautiful way of moving through the jungle mm-hmm. and portrays beautifully on how everything interacts and just these characters seamlessly glide through everything um, instead of the the old just swinging from vine to vine to vine which in theory actually if you're thinking about it if you're watching if you go back and watch that movie and just try to watch them just swinging from vine to vine to vine doesn't come across as smoothly it just kind of all right and grabs another vine and it goes mm-hmm. for another vine you have this new movement that you're in the animated world you can do whatever you want why not have these vines be more like pipes and have them you know go across these branches and vines and and move that way and then again getting drummer genesis lead singer solo artist extraordinaire phil collins and have him work on this album and not only that find the money to be able to bring in sync on for a radio edit version of trashing the camp with phil collins and in sync vocalizing a song that he came up with by someone hitting a drumstick to phil collins head That's so great. Oh, man. No, I, I honestly thought that was good. I honestly thought that was good. Yeah, so, yeah, that was one of my favorite. Uh, that was one of my favorite, uh, uh, you know, songs. Like, again, I thought the music got a little bit more better. Not to say the music wasn't bad, but the music started to get a little bit more better in the 90s uh, when, when they started to introduce uh, bigger artists and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Um, so the next one. So, but but now the next one, I'm gonna sit down and and, and bring it back, um, and I gotta say the next one, the next big song that I I really have to say right now would have to be uh the the Beauty and the Beast song, and the Beauty and the Beast song would have to be from the original one, uh, that had uh, Pablo 
was it Preble Bronson? Oh God, I want to. Yeah, I want to say it was Preble. Was it Preble Bronson and 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 Celine Dion? Uh, yeah, I think it's. Yeah, I think it's totally. Yeah, Pebble Watson in the Celine Dion on that soundtrack, which was incredibly amazing. So, oh man. One song that I want to throw down is Beauty and the Beast. And they've been, there's actually, I'm going to throw in two, uh, two songs. It's actually the same song from Beauty and the Beast, uh, but it's sung by two two totally different people. Uh, the 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 the, Holly, the 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 radio edit one, I guess you could argue. Um, would be from um, actually we got actually no more that I think about it, we got we got to stick to the pop though but I'll probably throw it in as a great mention but uh, clearly it would have to be from the Celine Dion and and uh, Pablo Branson version which uh, again um, and it, which you know as a kid uh, for the longest period of time I like Pablo. People Brown, uh, Bryson. From, uh, Bryson. Yeah, is it B R Y S O N? Bryson. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I keep apologies. I, I pushed yeah. that. People of Bryson. Honestly, I always thought that was Loser Vandross when I was a kid. <laughs> like, what is it? Kid? Like, I apologize to any Bryson uh, people Bryson fans out there. I always thought that was Loser Vandross as a kid because I, I like he sounded like Loser Vandross. He's got that smooth, silky voice, that baritone silkiness voice of. of you know, carrying on those R and B tones. Um, yeah, yeah it, he hit I, some of those notes like Lucer Vandross. So I was mad confused. So like you can, like you can't blame me for being confused at that time when I was like child listening to no. that song. No, it, it, it's completely understandable. Um, I don't know how many people realize that is really the song that launched Celine Dion's international career. Yeah. Before really? that, before that, she was this French Canadian singer. Half of her albums were in Canadian French, or almost the entire album was Canadian French, and no, you know, for the most part, no one really knew who she was. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's weird because you know I'm sitting because I guess it's Celine Dion because now like now I was oh it's Celine Dion. I never really thought about that. You know I wow. You may be right. She like, was the new girl. Bebo yeah, was never... the established artist at that point, which he, they brought him back for his second song. Yeah, yeah, was was a people Bronson. Yeah, you I, you know what? The more that I think about that, that makes more sense. Of Celine Dion, you know, see see uh, like it. Celine Dion is kind of the rookie coming into this situation where he has to stand toe to toe with the great Bebo Bryant. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in his song, because like you she, said. He he has one under his belt with a whole new world. <laughs> but she she he he did other stuff. I mean, but as far as for Disney, yeah, that that was kind of the extent of, you know, he'd already had that the one song in Celine. She had, I think, two albums before that because she actually started off as a teenager. Yeah, recording stuff, but it was all in Canadian French. I mean, she's from with the Quebec, I think, right? Yeah, Quebec, Canada. Yeah, which uh, wow, that that doesn't again, again, like I said, you you take that for granted because her name is Celine Dion, but you forgot that she started so young when that song came out. That's incredible. In hindsight, yeah, it, it's uh, oh, you know, of course, you know, he, he had this megastar. No yeah. one knew who she was. Yeah, 
Yeah, and now, like she went, and I think after a couple of years of that, she went on to do Titanic, and she just blew up after that once once Titanic hit. So, like, dude, that's great, though. Yeah, but people, Bronson, man, dude, that man, that guy carried, that guy carried two songs <laughs> in my generation, and I still, for the, up to this point, I always thought that was Lucifer Vandross. So I apologize to Mr. Bronson out there if you're listening to this. Like, I really, really do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, because yeah, I mean, you think about, and I, oh, it's not on this list. Uh, when Beauty and the Beast came out, that was ninety. I want to say ninety-one, something like that. So ninety-one, she had one English album, Unison. No one remembers that album. I bet she had no. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. One album for 91, so we'll include that. Nine French albums. Really? Wow. And none of them, yeah, well, clearly none of them really made it to America, I assume, until, like, uh, that's the way it is. And then yeah. and then she, and then, again, from Titanic, which totally blew her up. Uh, and, and Which, well, was Titanic was, 19, was 96, right? Uh, 97. 97, yeah. So you think about that span of time. Once Satanic blew up, everybody knew who Selena oh, oh, Dion yeah, was. Selena. Right, but, but before that, so 92, actually, 92, I think, is when Beauty and the Beast was, because it uh, mentions the Celine Dion album. It, she has it on there as well, which mm-hmm. is the Grammy and Academy Award-winning song, Beauty and the Beast. No, oh, that's um, what I thought. It's on her 92 album. Oh, Okay. All right, so that, yeah, it does. Yeah, like actually, I'm looking it up. It was released on 92, uh, but I think the movie was dropped in 91. Um, another quick, a lovely mention I want to uh, I want to mention is um, um, that song also was sung by the actor um, uh, Angela uh, Lansbury. Um, if anybody remembers, she played uh, Miss Miss Potts. Yeah, she played Miss yes. Potts in the in the film. And she she sung the in the in version of of the song uh, to her little grandchild teacup uh, uh, in, in in the film. So I want to give a shout out to her, Miss uh, Murder. She wrote, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I I thought Miss I enjoyed Fletcher. that one. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed. Yeah, yes, yes. So so I I I I, I enjoyed that one uh, just just as as much. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know. and then Disney just well at this point to me it seemed like yesterday, but at this point it's been over a week and a half. Um, had their sing along two on mm-hmm. TV on, for Mother's Day, and they had John Legend and Jessica Hudson. Was sing- it Jessica? Was it what? Jessica Hudson? Or no? No, I think oh, it was. I thought it was Andrea Grande. No, it wasn't Grande. It wasn't Grande for this one, but. It's- Really? Uh, yeah. You would think you would have get John Legend and, uh, and Grande on to to recat to redo uh, Beauty to and do the, Beast. the Beauty and the Beast their 2017 version. Not, it was. Let me look this up now. It was Again, John I didn't watch it. So sorry about that. I, I knew I knew that Donald Glover. I I remember seeing Donald Glover's face because he probably did a couple of songs from The Lion King. I you know what? I missed the first 20 minutes of it. Uh, it's totally fine. I didn't watch it. And <laughs> it, it was Jennifer Hudson and John Legend performed Beauty and the Beast for Disney's family sing-along. Really? It, it was fan 
fantastic. Wow. Oh, no, good, good. I'm happy. Fantastic. You should definitely check it out. I'll definitely check that out. I guess Grande was too busy. Holy crap, what's she doing right now? (laughs) Not to hook up with John again. Yeah, well, you know what? I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna reserve my, my takes on Ariana Grande and. Um, <laughs> oh, I will reserve takes. Yeah, let's I, I, I really enjoy Jennifer Hudson's um soulfulness and John Legend. Just the way he's singing at the piano. Um, he's doing the piano. It just, it, it's a very stripped down version. Of him and the piano singing, her singing on, you know, along with them, and it's just. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, yeah. Um, okay. So definitely worth checking out. Okay, uh, definitely. But nice. the original album version with Celine and Bebo, um, yeah, basically launched Celine Dion's career. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's like ooh, everyone knows Celine Dion. Not at that point, like I said, she was the she was the new girl, mm-hmm. just like Christina Aguilera. Again, you know, Reflections. No one knew of her. Reflections mm-hmm. came out. Then she had the genie in the bottle and uh, some of the, the other songs, and then built her career from there. And now she's a judge on some singing show. Yep. There you go. There you go. Totally. There you go. All right. Yeah. So what's uh what what else you got, man? Let's stick with people and bring in a whole new world. Okay. Yeah, man. The one before okay. that with the Latin, uh, where he sang with a Regina Bell. Jeez. Uh oh. Yeah. Um both again I think at more of the R and B end. Um but again just became so mainstream and just uh, so much of a um an earbug that it just everyone was listening uh, listening on the radio every couple hours you heard a whole new world. Light mm-hmm. FM now you hear it all the time. Yeah. Um to even the fact that you, you brought up Nick Lachey before Nick Lachey and Jessica Simpson's whenever they were you know, a little item, um, did their own recording of it. And, oh, uh, okay. yeah, no, no, not the same, not the same. <laughs> no, no, not there. No, no, but, not there. You know, respectable job, respectable job. But sometimes you, you just, you, you don't, you know, the original sets a bar that it's hard to go, um, get away from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It just, again, beautifully done. Um, another very, very popular song. Um, that again, really, I think helped usher in. It was one of the first ones that you know, Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin were one of the first Disney movies to do this, you know, mm-hmm. pop version of the the title song. Um, Little Mermaid didn't have that officially. Yeah. Uh, Rescues Down Under, which most people didn't realize, came after Little Mermaid before Beauty and the Beast. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have that. Um, Oliver and Company, you can argue it had the music of Billy Joel in it, or you had Billy Joel performing in it, but they weren't releasing these songs. So, you know, Why Should I Worry was not being performed on your hit, hit music stations. Mm-hmm. Um, where A Whole New World, Beauty and the Beast, you were hearing on the radio, you know, it, yeah, we didn't even get to the giant one uh, next, but even um, we were talking about Go the Distance. You heard that on the radio. You heard these yeah. songs on the mainstream radio. Mm-hmm. Um, these just became, you know, the popular songs. And it's still something that they do more or less to this day. Yeah, no, of course. Here's another fun fact, too. 
um, the they um, both Regina Bell and Pablo Bryson um, came back together to sing a whole new world on the on the Broadway version of Aladdin a year uh, last I believe last year um, on their on closing out the finale uh, the closing out the finale show on September 9th when they do the end the big end and the both came on stage on the broad on the Broadway production of the show to sing that song since 1992 it's been 27 years since they've they, they've reconnected to, to sing that song so there you go that you was know. fantastic yeah there was a, there was a reason for that and I don't remember what it was now mm-hmm. but yeah that that is that that is awesome um, yeah. hopefully it sounded just as good yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean no they probably those two probably still carry carry it carry the song i mean if you have to i mean i'm sure oh man that like you said my voice you know 27 years ago definitely did not sound like this yeah yep yeah 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 no totally so that that honestly would totally be up there you know another song too i'm gonna point out and i'm gonna bring up for pocahontas uh uh one of the songs i think was uh what is it there was a Pocahontas song of, I think it was Justice of the Wind. I, I might have butchered that. Uh, color of the Wind. The Color of the Wind. Thank you. From Pocahontas. Yes. Sung by um, Ugly Betty, mean, mean-ass boss of Vanessa Williams. Uh, yes. She sung that song back in the day. Now, here, again, me being very um, negligent. Um, again, when I've, I've, I've known of Vanessa Williams. Um, the only song that I know her of is uh, uh, "Save the Best for Last." Um, that that I remember she she used to be a, a uh, I think she used to be Miss America. She won the Miss America mm-hmm. pageant and then had to get her, her crown stripped for things. Um, yes, we'll talk things. about because uh, this is a family. This is family. Yeah, very very family show. It's a family show. <laughs> and, <laughs> and and but but around that time. She sung "Save the Best for Last," so that's the only thing I of I known for for Vanessa Williams, um, at that time. Like I didn't know she was an actress and stuff like that, but she 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 tried to get into singing at that time, and then yeah, later on they they tapped her in to do "Colors of the Wind," uh, for that song, which is also a really nice song too. Which um, you know, Pocahontas is another movie that I watched a couple of times. Also, when I kid, I think that dropped around nineteen. I want to say that dropped around. It like, had to be like what nineteen ninety six. Had to be like around nineteen ninety six. Yeah, was it ninety six? Because it was the movie to follow up the Lion King, which was the Pocahontas was actually the movie that they were more interested in than the Lion King. Lion King was kind of okay. It's a filler movie. Let's just kind of move it on. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, yeah, it it became this blockbuster behemoth of a movie, um, which Pocahontas had trouble living up to. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, nineteen ninety five. Yeah, nineteen ninety five. Yeah, nineteen ninety five. Yeah. So um, the nineties kind of blur together for me at some points. <laughs> No, I mean I was a kid of the '90s, and I think a lot of things blurred together at that point for me too. Like you know, uh, dude, because there was just again when it come to when it come to Disney, nine 
Disney ruled in the nineties. Like it was those the was the v, VHS because those movies were coming out almost every year. So that, like you said, they all kind of bliss blurred together. It was just kind of expected. Which was a good marketing plan for Disney at that time, you know. Oh, absolutely. Well, the, it was kind of the thing to become more in the forefront and bring the company. You know, Iser was uh, trying to move things. Uh, sh- oh, Siri. Uh, right, Alexa, <laughs> shush. Um, trying to move things forward with the company and trying to to pick it up. Iser was, you know, trying to re envision the company with Katzenberg. Um, you know, everyone attributes the '90s to being Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Lion King, uh, and, and Pocahontas. Little Mermaid came out in '89, mm. so it was actually ahead of that time. Uh, the first '90 movie w- was Rescues Down Under. Like I said, most people don't realize that movie took pl- even exists and took place between um, and during this renaissance of the mm-hmm. uh, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, etc. Um, Rescues Down Under. That was uh, that was a follow up to the Rescuers. Back in right, the yeah, that was a sequel. Oh, uh, and uh, actually, a, a pretty decent movie in itself. Um, I discovered it years later, and uh, actually, qu- I quite enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a fun story. They they bring back um the the original go um as much of the original cast as they could with Bob Newhart and um mm-hmm. uh Gabor and um. They had to bring John Candy in for uh, for the um, Orville uh, part, but the uh, yeah no, it, it was a nicely done. It was one of the um, earlier CG movies, uh, anime movies to utilize CG effects. The one before uh, two before that, which was uh, Little Mermaid, was all hand drawn. Mm-hmm. Oliver and Company was the first one that they utilized CG effects in. For an animated yeah. movie, yeah, with the cars yeah. and particularly the the okay. one scene where Penny is singing to uh, Oliver and the camera pans up and around is CG. Oh, interesting. Okay, cool. Okay, I, I, you would not think about it, especially how the way that movie was kind of drawn. Like it wasn't like Oliver Coffee was a cool was a cool film, uh, but it kind of had like a met. I want to say like a messy draw. It wasn't as clean. It was, let's just say it wasn't as clean as crisp in the lines. Say like the like like um, uh, like Beauty, uh, the Beast. Beauty the Beast. Yeah, exactly. Like a Beauty the Beast that also used a little bit of CG. I think also used some CG in that. Oh, that's uh, yeah. funny. The ballroom yeah. scene. A lot, a lot, there was a lot more in that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The. Uh, it's a little dirty. To, to it's say a little that. a little grittier. Um, Gritty. Which that's is more a better the, word. Yeah, if you gritty. look at the 80s movies, um, even Little Mermaid in itself has a little more Red. grit to Not it as much as like Oliver with... Company, uh-huh. but yeah. Fox and the Hound, uh, definitely the Black Cauldron, uh, and uh, Oliver and Company all have that little more of a, a grittier, uh, heavier pencil line mm-hmm. type of uh, animation style to them. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely very much um, the style of that time yeah. for these movies, or those movies all fit in that that stylized edge um so yeah well speaking of computer animation my next game back to the music my next one that i want to bring up again is a little more of a unique piece because it was not sung by any characters performed by the again pop artist um 
but it is one that I've always actually found very interesting. I think is underrated. The movie in itself is underrated. I I feel, and the song it's is itself. I think a lot of people aren't aware of because of the movie is I'm still here. Jim's theme by Johnny Resnick. Johnny Resnick, the lead singer of the Goo Goo Dolls from the movie Treasure Planet. Okay. All right. So now you, so you have me something because I, I, I have not seen Treasure Planet. So I would not even know what's going on. Did not well, see the first movies with hand drawn and CG married together mm-hmm. in the, um, in the chef. Oh my goodness. Treasure Planet, Treasure Island. I can't remember the chef's name. But, um, uh, yeah, the, it had the, the body was, um, drawn and mm-hmm. then he he had a bionic arm the bionic arm was cg mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's um actually an a, a very interesting and i think the adaptation worked but it was against some other movies at the time where just people just did not pick up on treasure planet yeah yeah i i think it just kind of like uh, you know like you said i think once it kind of got in, because this movie, you know, reason why I think this movie came out uh, was probably like under the the back end because it did come out in two thousand. I think you were made because now you're starting to see that like there was that two thousand two movie. Yeah, the two thousand two movie. So there was just, unfortunately there was a shift right now for Disney at that point. You know, where like you said, a lot of it, like unfortunately, a lot of the things were it was starting to be less. Uh, less drawn stuff and more CGI because I think that's probably now the time where when Pixar started to become more relevant and people want to see more CGI stuff than more drawn hand drawn stuff. So I feel like Disney at that point was struggling at that end of trying to rely on more of the of, of the drawn stuff, which was unfortunate at that time. Which is probably great. It's probably like you said, it's probably like an underrated film that nobody had the opportunity to see. It just kind of happened around a time where there was a big shift in, in, in film. So probably nobody had an opportunity to catch that song. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's the first movie that had 2d animation married with 3d effects. It's 2002. It was against something else. It actually was nominated for best animated movie, but it, it missed out on that too. But what, uh, I think that was is also the year Lilo and Stitch came out and it followed up after that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so people want to see Lilo and Stitch and then it was like, okay, wait, another Disney movie. You also had that year. Cause when did treasure planet treasure planet was later in the year. If I remember correctly, what was the release date? Ba-ba. November mm-hmm. and November people were not going to see animated movies in November. They were going to see a wizard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, it was, uh, yeah. I think Disney was put in a tough place at that time, man. You know, what are you going to do? You what were you put gonna... up against Harry Potter and the chamber of secrets. Mm, yep. <laughs> No. So yeah, you weren't you weren't winning that battle. No. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, Disney. And if I think let me just double check on the release date of this 
movie also because I think there was a third contender that just really <laughs> killed them that year. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, that one came out in March. Ice Age came out that year too. Mm-hmm. Um, strangely enough, Ice Age, which now is a Disney property. Yep, Blue Sky yep. Studios. The uh, but yeah, no, they yeah, it uh, Treasure Plan was directly going against Chamber of Secrets, so obviously people did not see Treasure Plan, they they were seeing Harry Potter, yeah, um, that year, and they missed out on Johnny Resnick's fantastic song, which you can still hear, it's on uh, Amazon Music. Mm. Um, it's I think it's got a great beat, it opens with the drums, it's very modern, um, for its time. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, maybe because I'm old, but to me, it's still a, a great song. Um, great lyrics. Johnny, John just, you know, puts in a great solo performance on that. Um, it's just one of those, as soon as I heard it, I fell in love with the song. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like my own little private Disney song because, again, no one knows of it. No one saw the movie. Yeah. No, no, no. It's unfortunate. Uh, yeah, like I said, it was unfortunate right now because uh, you know um, everybody's making that. In, in terms of animation, it just shifts. Was unfortunately shifting over to the CG at that moment. So I think people missed out, which is true because like as you as like you, as you got to the back end, maybe I think the production quality of those films probably did get a whole lot more better at the back end. But, you know, like everybody was ready to move on, you know, around the, the 202. So, yeah, well, at that time, also, Disney was running two animation studios full fledged. You had the one in California doing, you know, one set of movies. And then you had the one in Florida, which had built up to becoming its own because they d- finished Mulan. They just released Lilo and Stitch and they were working on Brother Bear, which I'll bring up shortly um, in the background. And. Um, yeah, you had an interesting time in Disney animation history then between those two studios because Florida was actually making the movies that made money. California wasn't. And Roy Disney was saying, who was the chairman of Disney animation at that time, said, you know, animation will stay in California, that this is where the studio was built. This is where animation is going to stay. Florida was running behind schedule on their projects and eventually they, they shuttered them after brother bear. Yeah. Um, cause they were working on American dog at that point. They bring in Pixar, John Lasseter, a lot of things happened at that point. Mm. Um, so yeah, you, very interesting time in Disney animation, um, pseudo history at that, um, in the early two thousands. But yeah, so you had Lilo stitch earlier in that year, which we had already discussed. That actually did a fair amount of money. I saw that movie like, four or five times in the theater. Oh, uh, dude. I, I have the DVD, and I saw that multiple times. I loved Leo Stitch. Loved oh, Leo Stitch. Yeah, again, another one of those I think a lot of people underrated or just don't realize the depth of that movie mm-hmm. um, with the with the stories of the characters and the, the character backstories and, and everything that's entwined into it. But... uh yeah, wow. Um, so, yeah, Johnny Resnick, um, again, one of my more favorite songs. I'm still here. Jim's theme mm-hmm. uh, from from Treasure Planet. Nice, nice, nice. All right. Where are you bringing us, Isaac? 
<laughs> and I think I got one last one. You probably already. Did you mention uh, Mr. Elton John for Can You Feel Only by Love? name, but I've never, I did not bring up the song. You didn't bring up the song, man. Well, I'm stealing that from you, man, because. Do it. John Elton, man. Can you feel the love tonight, man? Who, Sir Elton John. Sir Elton John, man. Come on. You can't beat that. Mr. Rocket Man himself bringing his vocals in to once again didn't know who elton john was until that song dropped and then clearly he's made songs like the rocket man all that but as a kid who saw the lion king at that time and that was the the number one big movie i i gotta assume that movie won a grammy and an oscar that that had had to like at, at that time um yeah, that was the number one big song. And I remember why it was the number one big song because I had to sing that song um, when did that movie drop? Wasn't that 1994? Four. Okay. So I was in the third grade. Yeah, I sung that in my chorus song when I was in the third grade. I remember that. Dude, it was great. And I was the lead vocals for the, my chorus for that particular song. So that that song Sweet. Will... and it's probably on you. So we'll look it up. Isaac singing, "Can you feel the love tonight?" from nah, <laughs> Lion King. Nah, you're not gonna find that. That's probably some deep, you know, RMVHS collecting dust and probably has spiders in it. So no, no, nah, not now. I'm gonna find that. Nobody's gonna. <laughs> but yeah, that's yes. that's. I I do remember that song personally right now. Yep. that was one of the more bigger songs. And it did win Oscar best, uh, best Music Original Song, Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Oscar winner Best Music Original Score for Hans Zimmer. Yep. Um, Hans nominated Zimmer. also Hans Zimmer. Hans was on it? Hans was working. They they broke out the big guns for this you're movie. You're talking that, about again, they'd expected. Like you're talking Inception, Hans Zimmer? <laughs> 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 you know what I'm talking about when he ain't that. <laughs> Family show, I family show. Um, <laughs> also nominated for best music original score, Circle of Life. Elton John, Tim Rice, Tim Rice, and Elton John worked on this. And Elton John actually credits this movie and the work that he did with this movie, the people he was introduced to this movie for turning his life around, because this okay. was a point in Elton John's life that. Unless if you grew up in the 70s and you knew Rocket Man and Candle and the, the Wind and, and some of those other songs, you didn't know who Elton John was. Elton yeah. John was just that other guy with the piano who was not Billy Joel. The English guy with the feathers and who wasn't Liberace. Mm. So it, it was kind of this weird time for Elton John. And the Disney people came along and said, we want you to help with this, this movie. Um, awesome. And... It was it was Zimmer who did not see the movie or knew anything about the movie, and they wrote these songs, and it, it's it's very bizarre how this all this all came together. It's something for another time. Uh, maybe I should get Jim on this. Jim Hill. Um, maybe I could talk to him. Uh, have him do a show on this. But yeah, how the Lion King came together mm-hmm. is uh, is it, kind of a phenomenon in itself. And um, I remember, I saw this was whenever um, just shortly after this movie came out, Elton John and Billy Joel started doing the, their tour together, 
Mm-hmm. And Elton talked about how this movie really turned his life around. And the these songs kind of inspired him. Mm-hmm. He kind of had a little bit of a, a rebirth in some of the songs. He came he came a little more prominent, and people now know who Elton John is, um, who lives in Georgia. Uh, so it's yeah, it's it's quite uh, quite strange, but it it also really helped boast Disney's position on animation because again, you you had you had some strong movies before it, uh, and they they thought they had some strong movies after it. You know, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, um, which all didn't. Yeah, they did well. They didn't do quite as well. Lion King just became this phenomenon. It's still a phenomenon for the company. You know, people, you know, you you go to anybody, you mention the Lion King. Mm-hmm. And you know, people just absolutely love the movie. The if the, or the Broadway musical in itself also was is just revolutionizing. Um became a behemoth on Broadway. Uh, it's a and again fantastic. I've seen it on Broadway and um, great musical. Do the songs justice. In mm. uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, Sir Elton John's um, contribution for this and this you know kind of how Phil Collins got in because Elton John wanted to do more with Disney and there was the whole thing that again we won't get into. Uh, but ended up going to another studio to doing some work for them, which that nah, movie didn't work out so uh, as well as everyone was hoping. Um, but he also did help write one of Disney's first Broadway um, musicals, Aida. Uh, yes, I do right at the same that. time. Yeah. Aida was with, a Disney uh, production. I totally yeah, forgot with about Tim that. Rice and uh, Elton John helping mm-hmm. with the music for that. Uh, which came off the back of Lion King. Oh, no. Yep. yep. Uh, they, you know, Elton loved working with Tim Rice so much. Um, is, is, is Aida still playing in Broadway or no? No, no I don't think it, it lasted that long, yeah. which is a shame because it, it had some wonderful, wonderful music to it. It, yeah. it was a great cast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it is, uh, it is something, um, is this weird weird story but it just is this um it's a beautiful story yeah it is a beautiful story that um how how it all came to came to be and um yeah no it it, it is the anticipation it is like i said you cannot in that year you cannot turn on a radio walk into a store without you know or or Anywhere that music was on, Can You Feel the Love Tonight was playing. And then follow up with Circle of Life. Um, they didn't do, Hakuna Matata didn't get quite as much of an airplay. But Circle of Life and Can You Feel the Love Tonight, every, they would almost play them back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those were, those, those, those songs were super, uh, were edits. You know, they were made for radio, where like Sunset Kuma and Matata were just for like kids and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's it's a fun song and everything, but you know, it doesn't have the <laughs> bless you the air, yeah the legs for for airplay. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, oh, so many other songs I could bring up. Like "You'll Be in My Heart" from Kenny Loggins. Uh, Try everything with Shakira. Mm. Uh, Welcome by the Bl- Blind Boys of Alabama. You know, I never knew I needed you by Neo from Princess and the Frogs. But I think I will finish up mine. Yeah. With finish when can I see you again from Al City, from the movie Wreck It Ralph. Uh, interesting, interesting. All right, so I, I again, I, I, I have not seen Wreck It Ralph, so you I you haven't wrecked the Ralph. I have not wrecked the Ralph. I have not wrecked the Ralph. You would that. be surprised by this movie. No, I've you know it's 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 kind of on my bucket list. Um, you know, I, it is one of the movies I will watch. I haven't had the opportunity to watch it, so um, no, but because I, I heard Wreck It Ralph was good. I was supposed to go see it in the theaters, and I think something else came up. But no, I'm, I didn't get a chance. But talk to me about it. Talk to me about the the music and that. that that's very recent too. I'm surprised you're throwing out something very recent in 2000. Um, yeah, it, it's it's a more recent movie. Um, the reason why I bring it up, I mean, besides the fact that it has a very unique Al City in themselves, if you're familiar with the the group, has has a very kind of de- defined sound, uh, more of electronic uh, type of sound. Um. I mean, I'm not talking Daft Punk electronics, but um, very electronic sound in themselves. Yeah, from 2012's Wreck-It Ralph. Um, mm. But it kind of it kind of has this. It, it's a catchy song in itself. I don't again don't know how much airplay they got on it. Um, but it was the song in itself has a bit of a movement within the Disney company um, to the fact that the paint the night parade in Disney's California adventure, mm-hmm. the music from that whole parade is based on this song. Really? Oh, that's pretty cool. Which is, I sadly have only seen it online. I, get, I haven't been able to see it in person, but it's one of my favorite parades that Disney has done or, you know, is currently doing. Um, that I've seen it's a lot of color, a lot of light, a lot of, fun. it's just kind of like, it's a fun, let go, almost partyish type of song, you know, um, ahead of Shakira's try everything, uh-huh. you know, you, you had this song going and it's just got this, this beat that just kind of gets into you and it just, you know, it's, it's this fun little, yeah. Exactly, bobbing your head along to it. You haven't even heard the song; you're already dancing to it. <laughs> but again, another song. I mean, is it the is it "Let It Go"? You know, no, it's not the "Let It Go," and no. you know that that kind of just took over the world. Um, or the the song from Moana. Uh, but it's. Yeah, it's this fun song that you, you Disney's been able to do a number of things and some promotions in like I said they, they've done a um they done a parade based on it. They you know they have they're working on Wreck It Ralph attractions. Um they're in the pipeline that's probably all now paused again with everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um but it is and I'm sure you'd hear it somewhere in that. It, it is just this kind of this fun song. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely worth checking out. Definitely a fun one. Yeah, totally, totally. No, I couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. 
So, so you, the listener, let me put it out to there. What is some of your favorite Disney songs? Is it Part of Your World by Olivia Newton-John? Or again, Welcome uh, by the Blind Boys of uh, Alabama. You know, Never Knew I Needed by Neo. Try Everything Shakira. Yeah, what is it? Demi Lovato's Let It Go. What is some of your favorite Disney pop songs? You know, some sometimes people just don't, you know, just only think of the song being as the 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 one from the movie, but there are these other songs too that are, you know, just it, it is the more regular radio version of the of the song. Let us know and Isaac, thank you so much for being on the show again. Always a pleasure to have you. Thank you. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Totally appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we will be talking to you again soon. Thank you again to Isaac for joining us this week. What are some of your favorite Disney pop songs? The the songs, again, recorded by the mainstream artists, as it were. List them in the comments below. Join us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Disney Marvel's podcast, or our new Facebook group, Disney Marvel's uh, facebook.com slash group slash Disney Marvel's podcast. You also find us on the Twitter at Disney Marvel's. You can email the show your answers or suggestions for show ideas like this one to Disney Marvel's at gmail.com or leave a voice message through the Anchor app or and website. Links are all in the show notes. I want to thank you for your time. I know how difficult it is to find time nowadays, even though we're all, a lot of us are still home. We find that, at least I find that I have less time being home, working from home, than I have whenever I was going out to work. As weird as that may sound. So the fact that you've taken some of that time to spend with me and the show means a lot. It, it really is something special to me. Thank you. If I could just ask you to go onto iTunes and leave a rating. You know, rate the rate the show. It helps get the word out. Or you could just tell people. Just tell everybody. You know, listen to the show. They, they talk about all different things. Get some crazy guests on every so often. You know, the more people in this Disney Marvel family, the better it is. The more, you know, Walt believed in a bigger family, and I believe in the same thing. The bigger, the better. Don't forget to subscribe to the show while you're at it, so this way you always know when a new episode is posted. But also, while you're at it, consider becoming a premium subscriber to help the show out, keep the lights on, keep the hamster running in the wheel, so we can bring you the movie reviews, the music reviews. Do this over at anchor.fm slash disneymarvels slash support. Again, that's anchor.fm slash disneymarvels slash support. Or you can find our Patreon page. Links to both of those are in the show notes. On Patreon, you get some cool stuff, too, by doing it. Remember, this show is brought to you by listeners like you. Whatever you're facing out there, no matter how difficult, how crazy, just unsure life may be at this moment, remember this too shall pass. And the way that you get moving on that road is believing in yourself. Finding that light that I tell you about that's inside of you because it is there. Grab hold of it. Embrace it. Let it take you over. Let it guide you. The light will lead you forward. 
Believe in yourself and be your own hero. Never give up. Never give in. And I'd like to end this show with a quote from Walt Disney. Like I like symphonic music. A good concert. If you're kind of relaxed, it can do something to you. A sort of an emotional break you get by listening to the music. And that's Walt Disney. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.